Before you continue and listen to our newest and latest full episode, um, I think that we should introduce you guys to our co-host for this episode, who also asked questions um, alongside me to unmull our guest today. So she's with me right now. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Caroline, and I am now a co-host for this episode, Um, but other than co-hosting, for Amplify, I occasionally make posts for our Instagram, and maybe in the future we'll help with research. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a new voice um, to this podcast, and we're def- definitely going to have more new voices in future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Anyways, that's all I have for right now. Please enjoy the rest of the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Schools of Thought. Today we're going to do something a little bit different than what we have been doing in the past. So instead of just discussing with another student, um, because we're doing mental health for this month as our topic, we actually got someone who professionally is involved with that field to talk with us today. So um, please introduce yourself. All right. Uh, hi everyone, um, I'm Anmol. My pronouns are she, her. I am currently volunteering with Kids Help Phone as a crisis responder. Um, I've been doing this for just over a year. And essentially what I do is I'm basically on a texter queue and people can text in whenever they're in a mental health crisis. This can be anybody in Canada, uh, not specifically from and like kids, what you think when you hear kids help phone, anyone texts in and I'm basically there to give them support in like conversations that go from like 30 minutes to an hour. And it's just support right at the moment. And it's nothing like therapy, but they come in for support and then they go on with their days. It's all anonymous. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do at kids help phone. Great. Thank you. So Speaking of your role as a crisis responder at Kids Health Home, that leads us to our first question. So what have you learned as um, a crisis responder at Kids Health Home? Well, there's a lot I've learned. Something specifically that I've seen as a reoccurring pattern is oftentimes when you go to get mental health um, help, you're not going to leave feeling like your world has been solved or all your issues Mm -hmm. have been resolved. And I feel like this is something people tend to not think about, right? You'll go to a physical doctor, they'll give you like some meds, maybe like a cast if you broke your arm and you're done. The thing with mental health is you can go to sessions with therapy, you can go to a crisis responder with kids' help phone, and you may not leave feeling obviously better. But it would be a step in the right direction. But something really important I've noticed with this, uh, with all my conversations, is that it takes a lot more time to get back to mentally healthy than it does with physical health. And that's something that we tend to overlook. Mm, That's such an interesting thing. I've actually never really considered that before. Yeah, because you think you'll feel better after one therapy session or one conversation. But sometimes better isn't smiling happy butterflies right sometimes better is just the fact that you were able to get emotions out and maybe you're just calmer but you're still not necessarily happy quote unquote Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of opinions perspectives information about mental health and definitions that people resonate with are totally changing 
Do you think some of this information can be misleading, or is this variation mostly a good thing in your opinion? Oh, that's that's a bit complicated. So it could possibly be misleading. It honestly depends on the definition you're hearing. One issue is the fact that the definition for mental health can kind of be twisted into something that helps certain like companies, you know, and they're like, hey, let me twist mental health this way and kind of like help move my product forward. The best thing, honestly, is to have one set definition. This kind of dives deeper into research as well as uh, clinical psychology, wherein you need to have one working definition in order to work with a concept. The issue with psychology, mental health, anything that really has to do with the brain is you're operationalizing something. So it's not something you can necessarily see. We can't measure mental health directly. We measure mental health through, let's say, we could say someone how much sleep someone's getting, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And since we're operationalizing to measure mental health, our definitions are never clear cut. And it's always best to have one working definition rather than multiple different ones. Because I honestly agree with that beginning point, saying that this could be misleading um, because some other definitions might just not represent mental health, right? It could be an interpretation that someone else has, and we need to have one concrete definition. The issue is it's really hard to get concrete definitions of stuff that we cannot directly measure, like stuff that Mm -hmm. happens in our brain. So another question that we have is that, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people, um, especially students, have felt like extremely uh, more empty, lost, or started feeling like they're struggling with mental health. So do you, like, why do you think that this is the case? And do you think that there's anything we can do to help ourselves, especially because online school, as a lot of students think, are like... (laughs) Very damaging to their mental health. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard stories. So I currently actually am a TA. So I do teach mm-hmm. online classes. And one thing that I have learned from teaching and learning is that you can enjoy your online classes. It mm-hmm. honestly really depends on your professor. And schools put it on students a lot. And that's kind of where the problem arises. Students are expected to go on walks, take care of yourself, make sure you're eating healthy and exercising, getting sleep. But the students can only do so much, right? Mm -hmm. What really needs to be done is professors need to start making their classrooms more welcoming because Mm -hmm. I will go into some lectures and my prof won't even have his camera on. (laughs) And that's what drains students because Mm -hmm. I cannot look at a blank screen, neither can profs, right? Mm -hmm. In my tutorial, personally, I have my camera on. My students took it took them a bit to get comfortable, but they got their cameras on. We have like open mic, you're allowed to type in chat, stuff like that. When you're feeling comfortable and you're seeing faces, that helps. Online school sucks. But it's <laughs> stuff like that that's so necessary and like you need to see faces to connect, right? And mm-hmm. also, we cannot be doing 3-hour lectures online. It's yeah. not going to work. Yes. No one can stare at a screen that long. So it's just little changes that professors need to make. They need to look at what students are saying because students are giving their input. It's all over Reddit. It's all over Rate My Prof. Professors <laughs> need to take that into account. This is on the professors. Definitely. As a follow-up question, how do you think schools or communities should change or what do you think they should do in order to provide better mental health resources? That's a good question. 
So schools often do have their student wellness centers, I believe, Mm -hmm. and those are helpful. And it's great that you have these resources, but something kind of bigger that really needs to be done is more so normalization, right? Mm -hmm. Because I will easily go to a doctor for a broken finger, right? Because everyone does it. It's normal. The issue is that there is still a bit of stigma lingering around mental health. We're getting there. It's getting more normalized. But honestly, we have uh, support centers. We got kids help phone. We have all these things, right? We need to, one, make it normal and make people not ashamed of texting in. Because the reason why I get texters on kids help phone is because it's anonymous. You don't have to talk. They don't have to see you. Because a lot of people don't want to talk about the fact that they need help, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to normalize that first. That's the first step in order to get students, people, anyone who needs support, in order to make it easier, we need to normalize it. And that's going to take time. And it also has to be accessible. Therapy is expensive. Yeah. And we really, if we want people getting therapy, it should be cheaper. Mental <laughs> health is important. And that is just as important as physical health. And making it expensive is what is deterring people. Make it expensive. Make it hard to find. So we have to make it more accessible and we really just need to normalize it. Normalizing is probably our biggest problem at the moment with a lot of topics. Mm, yes, that actually relates to one of the questions I was going to ask. Oh. Yes. Why do you think that um, so many youth are facing mental health struggles but don't feel comfortable talking about it? Like, is it, do you think, is it solely because people don't normalize it enough? Is it solely because of accessibility? Like, is it a bit of both? Which one? There's definitely a lot of factors that come into play here. Um, I cannot speak for everyone, honestly. I can speak for myself and the people around me by saying that accessibility is one issue and just not wanting to have people see you kind of struggle, you know, because I know people around me, we're all university students. We don't want to look like we're struggling. We want to look like we know what we're doing. We're doing great. I come from an ethnic household, so I... I'm the oldest sibling in ethnic household. I cannot look like I'm struggling. I have to look like I have everything together. So that's mm-hmm. why like people around me kind of avoid getting mental health help in the open, you know, because then people will know you're struggling. And a lot mm-hmm. of times university students, ethnic like children, we don't want people knowing that. Mm-hmm. And if we do go for help, oh my goodness, I've had to wait in line for like hours to get an appointment with my student wellness center i've heard about people getting put on hold and suicide helplines it's stuff like accessibility and putting effort into mental health resources some of them are doing great kids telephone is doing amazing i'm not biased um (laughs) but others are not some therapists i've seen like my local ones like the websites aren't easy to kind of you know navigate and stuff like that so accessibility is so important and just like cultural standards There's so much that could go into why people don't seek mental health help, but definitely accessibility and kind of normalization are up there for the majority of people. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I have a follow-up to what um, what you just said. So you did mention that, you know, people, especially like elder siblings, don't really want other people to see that they're struggling, etc. Stuff like that. So do you think that like, there are oftentimes a, a certain demographic of students or people that um, have a greater struggle of accessing or getting the help they need or expressing that they need help than others? I have personally seen it in 
Okay, so I don't want to say that some demographics struggle more than others. So I'm going to start off by saying if someone is like objectively struggling, quote unquote, more, your struggle is still valid. So I'll start off by saying that. But we have noticed that I have noticed that oftentimes there are ethnic households. So I'm talking like I'm talking Indian. I'm talking like Latina, Latino, those kind of households. Those ones are the ones where me and my friends have noticed where we struggle. The only reason, though, is because there's such a d- different culture there than in Western culture. Western mm-hmm. culture, has give, it got the chance to evolve. We're focused on Western culture. The problem is I've noticed Indian culture or like some of my Latina friends, their culture, they haven't been given the chance to open up about mental health. They're still living in the whole idea where the eldest sibling needs to help raise their younger siblings. The eldest sibling needs to be good at what they're doing. If it's a girl, she has to make up a lot of ground because there are just, in Indian culture, it's just how it is. The boys are preferred. It's been a thing. It's diminishing now, but it's been a thing for a while, right? So cultures like that, definitely there seems to be a bigger hill to climb um but in the end everyone faces struggles regardless of their demographic and it's just some have to face cultural barriers as well as the stresses of a western world Mm, thank you that clears things up on a similar topic as you've mentioned that cultures can have an impact on mental health how do you think school environments or school systems have had an impact on students' mental health, and why do they affect the youth so much? Students spend most of their time in school. I think you spend more time in like high schools, for example, than you do at home. So that's why it has such a big effect on students, because they're there a lot. They spend most of their conscious hours in the school building. You will see some universities that are doing great. McMaster, for example, they're doing okay, but I'm talking about their architecture specifically. You will see greenery, you will see trees. Then you see buildings spread out, but not too far. Universities, schools, high schools that do that kind of stuff help students with their mental health in the sense that you are not boxed in. The issue arises where you're at other universities. I am so sorry to say this, but the University of Waterloo, for example, I went there and it is boxes of just buildings. Stuff like that will affect your mental health because you are boxed in there and there's you need to have this variation. Even if you're not an outdoorsy person, you need to see some trees. You need to see something other than large concrete walls, right? So schools that kind of have that are doing amazing because you're spending most of your time here the aesthetics are important if you're spending most of your time at a school it needs to look good and feel welcoming so the literal environment does affect your mental health and it's just in the sense that like if you're spending your time at a school and it's just gloomy all the time that will affect your mental health you're not going to be motivated right um and the degree honestly let's talk about not the physical but the concept of the environment if you're in a school environment that's all focused on grades competing getting like the best you can in your like program for example and a school that's not really focused on you taking care of yourself those type of environments are also harming so there are schools that talk about mental health but there are schools that actually genuinely want you to be mentally healthy and there's a difference between just talking about it and genuinely working towards it right Mm -hmm. the environments that 
actually open up the grounds to help students take care of themselves. I have a whole building in my university that's kind of dedicated to mental health. And it's a beautiful mm-hmm. building too. And that's important. They made mm-hmm. it aesthetically beautiful. They showed they care about this building and they have all this open. The environment is literally calling you to go get support when you need it. That type of stuff will have a big effect on a student's mental health, right? And it's mm-hmm. universities where the environment's just gloomy. They're their mental environment, their like figurative environment doesn't really care about you as a person. They more so care about the numbers you can put on a paper. Those type of environments play an impact. They play a large impact on students because you spend most of your time here. Mm-hmm. Helen, before you go, I have kind of a follow-up question. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned how there's a difference between like schools actually caring about mental health and those who only care about a test score. Mm-hmm. How do you think gifted programs, IB programs, or AP classes lean towards either side? Do they affect that? Or Yeah, so I was never the IB, the IB student, <clears throat> but I had a lot of friends who were, and they spent a lot of their time complaining about how hard the courses were. Um, I haven't this is me speaking specifically to my high school and to IB as a concept. There could be some that are doing great with mental health. But what I've noticed with my specific experience is that IB is really just about good grades. Mm -hmm. It's about being in all the clubs that you can because you need to reach a certain limit. I believe they need to have a certain amount of hours and extracurriculars. It's not about joining clubs for fun anymore. It's about joining clubs so you can reach that little minimum requirement and get your degree, right? Mm -hmm. So programs like that could be great for knowledge. The problem is they become a big competition and it's just people trying to meet minimum requirements, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is that can take the fun or the mental wellness out of it. If you're Mm -hmm. in a mental health club, for example, but you're in it because your IB program needs you to be in it, you might be losing the benefits of it because now it's just another another tick on your to-do list for your schoolwork, for your degree, right? So I see them as very damaging in the way that they are now. Um, like the knowledge part could be so good. It really could be. But the way you kind of go about it, the intense pressure put on these students kind of kills it. So I feel like a lot of schools that at least I've been to or like, uh, no friends that go to that have a lot of students complaining about mental health are oftentimes schools with the most like competitive, scary, toxic environment. Yeah. <laughs> so like given all of that, if students like even in all of these environments still want like a way out and they still want to learn more about mental health and stay, they want to know how to make themselves feel happier despite that scary environment they're all in, like what do you think we can do in order to you know get that? <laughs> Yeah, so you can't change your school. Like, mm-hmm. that's just, it's horrible. And you are you might be in a great program. But if your school, let's say, is kind of one of the concrete wall type schools, one good thing about online learning is you have a lot more control over your environment. So mm-hmm. something specifically that I've been doing is, one, for starters, I separate my school environment from my bed. <clears throat> I work in my basement. I don't work in my room. So if I need a break, if I need a mental health break, I can physically step out of this environment and go take a break. Stuff mm-hmm. Everyone can't do that. It is hard. I'm lucky I got this basement, but normally I had to be in my room and I had a small room. 
So even just separating your desk from your bed, never doing schoolwork on your bed, stuff like that is good because you separate that environment. And now mm-hmm. you have the ability. Decorating your room, I feel like, is actually kind of important because working somewhere where you like kind of the vibes, that will help you, right? Because it's what I said about the uh, the walls, the concrete walls. When you can change your work environment into somewhere pleasant, you've already helped yourself a little bit there because your mental health really depends on how much you enjoy what you're doing. So one important factor is being in a program you actually like. If it's competitive and you don't like it, your mental health will suffer, right? So the idea that a lot of kids on TikTok have been saying, which is just romanticizing your life. And at first you think, okay, that's funny, but that actually will help. If you go on walks and you're out here romanticizing your life, you're looking at the little things that you enjoy, that type of stuff will help you kind of get a break from the hardships of university. And it's stuff like studying and turning on like classical music if you like it and you're like, let me find classical music that makes me feel like I'm in a novel. Stuff like that, right? It's in your hands now that you're um, online and you can turn your environment into something enjoyable. Everyone says meditate. I used to not take it seriously. But stuff like that, taking breaks from school for yourself, because when you're online, you finally can. Like you can fully get up and get away from your computer. Because maybe if at maybe when you're at university, it's harder to take a break because you're just in the environment. You're at the buildings. When you're at home, stepping away from your computer is a lot easier than like walking out of a classroom, for example. So doing small things like that at home can definitely help your mental health. And if you feel like your university isn't going to take you into account, you can definitely take yourself into account. And say maybe one day you just can't. You're tired, you're done, you feel burnt out, you're going through a mental health crisis. There are so many resources that people are now spreading, like Kids Help Phone, for example, that you can go to. And if your university doesn't seem like it's helping you, there are resources there for you that aren't university-sponsored. Kids Help Phone's free. There's a couple other tech signs I could link afterwards, but stuff like that. You mentioned helping yourself. Mm-hmm. But how can someone help a friend in need of help? Yeah, so definitely helping friends is really important. What I'm going to mention before I start is saying that you can't help someone if you're not able to help, if you're not feeling mentally well yourself. So that's something important to keep in mind. You cannot fill a cup with an empty glass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so don't try helping people if you're burnt out. It won't, it just will not end up helping anybody but if you do have a friend that's burnt out people say check in but you need to genuinely want to there's a difference between checking in because bell let's talk told you to and because you care (laughs) so if you check in because you genuinely care stuff like that can help your friends and oftentimes someone just needs someone to listen to them for my ethnic friends who come from indian households i know we often cannot confide in our parents So we need someone to listen to us. And if your friend is just going through it, right? One important thing that I've learned, I think I might have learned this from Kids Help One actually, is that say someone's ranting to you. Communicating is good. Everyone says communicate. And the reason why is because if someone is ranting to you, the best thing to ask them is, hey, do you want support? Do you want me to validate how you're feeling? Or do you want to think of a solution? Because oftentimes you'll hear people going, oh no, my friend is not doing very well. I'm trying to think of as many solutions as I can to help him, her, them, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe they don't need support. They just need someone to listen, right? And it kind of forcing your own support on them and your own solutions might not make them feel better in a moment. So Mm -hmm. I think 
the best thing you can do to help your friends is to listen. Just listen mm-hmm. to them and clarify. Ask them, hey, do you want to think of a solution together? Do you want me to validate your feelings? Because validating feelings is so important. There's mm-hmm. so much gaslighting happening nowadays. Yes. People just want to feel like their emotions are valid. And they are. They always are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Speaking of listening, other than specific times where like friends are like literally ranting to you and literally directly asking you for help, how do you think we should behave as a society, as a community, as a whole, so that people in general feel like there will always be someone who's like willing to listen or there will always be some space that they can talk to? So- oh, this is this is something that we have to like watch gradually change Mm. but it's just the idea of being more welcoming people and the issue here is that we can't do that with everybody Mm -hmm. um we are leaning towards a society more open to talking and i have seen people posting things going hey my dms are always open you can talk to me stuff Mm -hmm. like that is great because you see that people are open and they're willing to hear and honestly one time i took someone up on that it was a girl from my Mm -hmm. high school i never talked to but i was like you know what you don't know anybody in this situation. So this might be the perfect time to rant. And I use that. And people do. A lot of issues can be solved with communication and communicating mm-hmm. that you're open and you want to like be there for people because no one is going to know unless you communicate and open it. And one important thing is maybe you did support a friend, but that friend won't go to other people and say, hey, this person supported me. So you can go to them as well because maybe you're not mentally able to support someone new but you're mentally able to support your friends right Mm -hmm. so it's honestly about communicating hey i'm open i'm here whoever needs me message me or maybe you just post on your close friend story because you're not mentally able to help everybody but you're mentally able to help your close friends stuff Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense thank you for answering that of course you mentioned like social media through dms and like posting stuff on your stories how do you think social media as a whole can be helpful towards mental health and how can it offer misleading information or hinder it? Okay, so social media can be really helpful because it has connected people and it really helps send resources around. The issue comes in when you get stuff like Bell Let's Talk, where it's this whole kind of like show put on about mental health. And now your friends are going to check in on you on this one day. And you Mm -hmm. think, okay, I have support now. Or you'll think they're just checking in on me because everyone's checking in, you know? And maybe Mm -hmm. with Bell Let's Talk, you go and check in one day, and that's the only day you check in. It's stuff like that that happens a lot on social media. Social media is very performative. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of, it's good. It serves as a reminder. And it's like, hey, make sure you check on your friends, right? Mm -hmm. The issue is when people just check on their friends when they're reminded to right? Mm -hmm. We need people who genuinely care and remember to support their friends throughout their lives, right? Not just on Bell Let's Talk. It's a good thought. (laughs) It's just not going very well. Overall, though, social media really leads you to a lot of performative things that don't end up genuinely helping people. And the issue is, is because people only do things, they only check in on their friends because it's, you know, it's a trend now right? That's the risky part of social media. There are good things. There are. Like, resources are spread through social media. People, like, confide in DMs. It's great. It's the performative aspect that's the issue. Mm -hmm. 
talking about performative aspect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, from just like a personal experience, like from your personal experience mm-hmm. uh, from your own high school, I suppose. Yeah. Do you feel like your own high school was actually really genuinely interested in in like helping students with their mental health, making the environment seem fun, seem welcoming, like what you suggested? Or when they talked about mental health, was that also kind of performative? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So an important point I'm going to say before I get started again mm-hmm. is that the world is not binary. And this mm-hmm. is important because um, my high school had its good and its bad days. Mm. The high school itself as a whole, the organization, horrible. <laughs> um <laughs> It gave off a lot of performative, you know, speeches. Hey, guys, let's be kind to each other. And that's all they said. Like, thank mm-hmm. you. That worked so well. The, th- <laughs> the thing is, there were certain guidance counselors that genuinely helped people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think as an organization, most organizations are not going to be serious with mental health. Most businesses are here for business and they want Mm -hmm. to get clients and they want to make money. It's such Mm -hmm. a harsh thing to say, but that is what I've come to expect from businesses. Individuals are amazing though. I had an individual guidance counselor who was an amazing person. He would walk around the halls. He would talk to students. I was, oh my gosh, I was a loner in high school for like grade 10. I'd be sitting alone, like looking sad as hell because I was. And my guidance counselor would walk up and he would notice Like, he would notice the smallest changes of, like, a student's expression, right? And he would talk to them. I had teachers that cared. And those teachers cared about mental health. And they were amazing. And, oh, my gosh, I thank him for everything because, like, he's the reason I continue doing what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. So individuals, amazing. The system itself, maybe not. It's just, Mm -hmm. it goes to show that the world's not binary. Nothing's completely good and nothing's completely bad, right? Kind of like yin-yang, similar ideas there. Mm. Alrighty. So that was actually the last question that we had, like, prepared. So before we do any sort of a conclusion or anything, is there any, like, one last thing you want to say uh, to all students uh, just in general about mental health? In general, one thing I do want to say is that when you look around and see, and you, like, see people reaching their goals, living their life all happily, and you think, wow, everyone seems to be doing great. Why am I not? A lot of things that you see on social media or that people share to you are just the surface of their lives. And you might have friends who are like, hey, I got accepted to this university and I'm also volunteering here. And I'm also doing this and this and this. You might hear all that and it might overwhelm you and you'll think, okay, why is everyone else doing great? Why am I not? Something important to remember is that people will never share the bad parts. Maybe your close friends might. Maybe your close friends might not, right? Mm -hmm. So one important thing for your mental health is to not compare yourself with others. You have no idea what's happening with others. If it looks like their life is great and beautiful, there might be more underneath that. And you just don't know it. So Mm -hmm. avoiding comparing yourself to others will save your mental health. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I learned a lot from like just asking you these questions from this past half hour. Um, I'm pretty sure Caroline would say the same too, right? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this with us. Um, it was really helpful. And just thank you for coming. Of course. I'm glad. Take care. Take care of yourselves too.
Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.